0: Before we look to the questions, shall we pray once again? Father, we just thank you for this time. We thank you for your children, Lord, who have tuned in from everywhere, Lord. They have questions. You have the answer. Mm. All we pray is, Lord, make us a channel to bless someone, Lord, today. To be the hand of God that lifts the weary. Mm. To comfort somebody with the comfort we ourselves received, Lord. That your word, as you said in Psalm 12720, will go forth and heal everyone who is ill or dis- distressed, Lord. You, you are the healer and your word heals. Come at this time into thy hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.
1: Yes, Pastor Vijay. So we'll Look from question number one first, Pastor, chronologically. Okay. Explain to us, uh, explain to us how do we strive for Christ's balance in our lives? Learning to take things one at a time, like Christ did, will facilitate our mind, uh, facilitate our peace of mind? Is that possible? Will it facilitate a peace of mind and is it possible? Think, uh,
0: the, look, let me, like there are, Quite a few questions here which are like kind of connected, which is, but let me put this across first. Sometimes what happens is with us believers, we confuse two things of God, of the Holy Spirit. One is the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the other is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We confuse one with the other, okay? For the gift, you don't have to do anything. He gives it to those as he pleases. You you could just just be a new believer, born again today, and receive a gift. It's got nothing to do with you. But when it comes to the fruit, there's nothing like that. The Bible is very clear about how the fruit comes. And sometimes we are confusing the fruit with the spirit, with the gift, Mm -hmm. and we are thinking the fruit comes instantaneously. It does not. It simply does not. We know in nature, you can't plant a seed today and harvest tomorrow. It has to go through its course. How you speed it, how you hasten it, in so many ways in your hands. But it takes its time. Let's use the example of Jesus. But we see Jesus only at the age of 30. Yep. At the age of 30. And the Bible says, through his obedience, what he suffered, he was made perfect. Perfect, Okay. So even the father, because his task was so big, did not release him into the world till he was 30, in the sense of ministry, 30. Because the father, and he had surrendered his will completely into this father's hand, and the training also into this father's hand. And he released him when the father determined he was ready okay so we need to realize these things don't come in one day at a time it's a process of learning but how we learn it how much time we give it to it how much surrender there it it will all play into it but do not feel condemned or bad because the thing is that we are confusing the gift with the fruit gift is easy it's not a very difficult thing Mm. but using the gift in the fruit of the holy spirit is what is difficult that is what is difficult. That's mm. why the warning between Corinthians twelve and fourteen an entire chapter of verse twelve is that love is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And the rest of the things in twelve and thirteen or fourteen are gifts. You can use the gift without a heart full of love and we mm. lose all your rewards in eternity. Yes. Everything has to be grounded in the love of God, in kindness, in mercy, in compassion. All that. So that is why that is over there. But love doesn't come overnight. We are taught to love the unlovable as God puts us through the ringer, like we saw in the morning, through the valley when we are taken, we will also realize I too am unlovable mm. and God still loves, loves me. me, still yes. loves me. Then we start accepting other people as they are and we start ministering to them otherwise we will minister from a high vantage point like the pharisees did the pharisees were separate from the people because they taught them but they thought the people were good for nothing hopeless this is a tax collector that's a prostitute they walked in judgment and condemnation they were the teachers but they sat apart from them that's why jesus said listen to them but they don't live like them but jesus on the other hand was The sinners flocked around And he taught even more powerfully than them. But the difference was that he didn't condemn them. He didn't sanction their sin either. (laughs) In other ways, he was tougher than them. But he loved them. He loved the people. And he looked at them and said, you're just sheep without shepherds. That's the difference. So when you look at this question, these, these these things don't come overnight we learn the balance in the first place if we do not keep growing in the word and the holy spirit we don't even know what the balance is yes yes we don't even know what the balance is the balance is determined by god and the balance we will also also will realize you know like like when you're looking at i look personally at my life i am doing things today what normally in the world you would do things when you are young but this is the balance for me. When I was young, I prayed less, I studied the word less, I slept more. Now I am old, I pray more, I study more, and sleep less. But it looks unbalanced. But God said, this is the balance for you now. Because to whom much is given, much is required. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now if you don't know scripture... You will think you are now ready to get retired and you have an armchair and you sleep nicely and you think you are balanced. But God says, you know what? You are unbalanced because you do not know scripture. So when you are looking at it, we have to realize that As we grow, it changes. Hmm. It changes. That's why God... We look at Jesus' life. Don't look at Jesus' life of... It's post-30. Yes. And the discipline the Father put him through the first 30 years. And the Father says, I'm well pleased with you. That 30 years of home life. Absolutely. Put him through the ringer, literally. And he comes out clean as a whistle. And God says, you know what? That's what I was looking for. So, there is balance. But... People, even preachers and books will talk about all kinds of striking a balance, but you know each one is speaking from his own perspective. My balance will differ from Pastor Vijay's. And Pastor Vijay's will differ from Rajas and uh, Samis and uh, Dr. Richard's. Because we are not living identical lives in identical homes and with identical pressures. Our pressures are different. Our trials are different. But only thing we have common is we have the Word of God common and the Spirit of God common. And the Spirit of God navigates our life if we allow Him. So it will differ from pl- person to person. person yeah. It is not the same. But... There is a balance. Mm. There is a balance. And we learn to take one thing at a time. And one of the things personally I can speak is that, yeah, we'll come back to another question. I know that these two questions are connected, but mm-hmm. we'll come back, come that.
1: Okay, that is question three. Question three. Yeah. If faith is paired with rest. Mm. We have experienced an immediate calm when we were attacked a few months in this particular place. Mm. But why is it that we are not calm in all situations? Yesterday we were attacked again. This time anger rose up and I wanted to pull the trigger. But she came and forcefully pulled it out of my hand. Mm. I got mad at myself. Why d- did I react like that? What do you think happened to me? The sudden rage of anger. Okay.
0: Then again... Faith and rest, again, we are growing in our rest. When Jesus uses the word, come to me, all who are weary, is everything okay, Sam? Okay, because when you guys look over, I think the internet is gone, Our camera is not working. Mm-hmm. Okay. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. What does it actually mean? It means keeping continuously coming. Mm. continuous it's not coming one time it's going to him all the time come and drink what one time or continuously drinking you know why because because trials and testings are only going to increase so the level of rest also has to increase Mm. the rest when you have in 2019 is not the rest you're getting in 20 because pressure will increase there may be seasons where there is rest no trouble at all okay and those are seasons when god is giving you to grow exponentially you have to really grow use that time but then after that the trials begin so he gives that what we call honeymoon periods for the believer like david had in the beginning mm. and then saul turned against him and if he was on the run okay so he gives you what is he giving that time for to grow in the lord establish you get your foundations deep our problem is those seasons i look at personally i wasted. I didn't understand scripture. Nobody had opened up scripture for me. If I had known, those were the seasons God had given me. Like like when you are young, you think about those times. When you are young, you have no cares in the world. Your food comes on your table. Your clothes are washed. Somebody pays your fees. You are, like in Indian terms, a small raja. Mm -hmm. You have nothing to worry. Your parents, others worry for you. You don't worry. But those were the best times to get solid in the word of God word of God and understand the ways of God and know. And then when the troubled days of trouble comes, you know, you are prepared for it because you are built. I'm not saying you will be fully prepared for trouble until you go through trouble yes. because it's like practical and theory. You can work out as much theory on trouble but when trouble comes, you will realize you have to handle it practically. No. But that's what the word. But if you look at it, keeping these two questions in 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 uh, in one of the fundamental principles of handling any situation i have found is that incredible answer uh, they will be remembered for all eternity for the answer uh, daniel's three friends gave mm. that was a stunning answer it's one of the most powerful lines okay in daniel chapter 3 you know verse 16 to 18 Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nasser, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods nor will we worship the gold image which you have set. There are two things we need to... Uh, absolutely be very sure about. One is the absolute, total sovereignty of God in any condition. It doesn't matter what I am going through. God has never lost control for a fraction of a second in eternity. He never loses control. Things may be absolutely out of control in my life, but God is in absolute control of everything. That's why he puts these details, not even a hair from the head. None of us know when we combed our hair today, how many hairs we lost. Mm-hmm. But God knows everything that is happening. So he's in complete control. Second, he has the power to handle any situation. That's why we use these three terms. Mm-hmm. is omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient. That you have to be fixed in your heart. And after that, you need to realize is that, you know, if that is true, then teach me to react accordingly. React. That's why they are so calm in the midst of a fire that is raised up seven times over. Absolutely calm. But this is something which we need to constantly meditate upon. And Jesus says something. Over there in, he says, if I'm right, in John chapter. Remember, this is a process. But it all begins with surrender and increasing surrender. If you come to John chapter fifteen.
1: Yeah.
0: Got it? Okay, where's 4 onwards. Remain. Abide in me and I in you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you. When we are talking about that rest, it is basically talking about making a conscious effort to stay in him, abide in him. That's what they're talking about first time. Okay, first time. When that attack took place, they were calm and in rest because at that time, maybe they were in Him, rested in Him. Maybe, I don't know, background, but you could have been praising God, listening to the Word, and you were absolutely gung-ho in your faith, resting in Him. Second time when it happened, probably you were not so much rested in Him. Hmm. Okay, and so the the flesh came. I'm not saying that when you are attacked, you should not be angry. There is something wrong with you. Mm. When you are attacked, there is an anger that comes. But it is not the anger that is the issue. Your response to the anger is where you have to be careful. Okay, you have to be careful. Okay, they attacked, you had a gun, you almost wanted to shoot them but you did not shoot them because somebody came and took the gun away. But the question is, we have to look at the response, okay? You have to have a righteous indignation at the evil that people do to others. Otherwise, God is not just saying that like a dog, turn onto your bag and lift all your force and says, you can walk all over me when evil comes. No, he's not saying that because others are being attacked. But he's also not telling you to resort to violence, Violence in the sense of protecting yourself, unless it's absolutely necessary. But if it is necessary, okay, necessary, you need to realize the same God who said do not kill, also said execute. Uh Both are hands of the same righteous God. A God who will say thou shall not kill will say execute everything that is moving in this city. Okay, so we need to understand both of it. So that is where we bring this balance, okay, balance. Why is there a constitutional amendment in the American Constitution, the right to bear arms? Why? Because your liberty ultimately is in your hands. So No tyrant or no government should take away your liberty on some spurious grounds. And that's what they are trying to do. Yesterday, Biden has told the gun lobby that, uh, that he will do his best to enforce... The gun laws to take the guns away from the people. That's the agenda. See, a gun is a neutral thing. The gun does not have a life of its own. It takes the life of the bearer. The problem is if the bearer is evil, the gun becomes evil. If the bearer is righteous, the gun becomes righteous. It's like money. Money is neutral. It depends upon the bearer. So we need to look at and see that. We need to stay constantly walking in the righteousness of God. Then it doesn't matter what is happening to us and what is in our hands. It becomes an instrument of righteousness. And let give me the principle Paul says in Romans chapter six, Romans six, Ch- uh, words uh, eleven onwards, eleven to forty. Likewise, you also reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin. He's not saying be dead to anger. Mm-hmm. Dead to sin. Be angry, or but do not, not sin. sin. So consider yourself always dead to sin. But alive to God in Christ Jesus of our Lord. These are two different things, and they come together. Separated from and separated unto. The Pharisees were separated from the world, but not separated unto God, so they were the most merciless people on earth. Religious zealots, the most, uh, the kind of people you don't want to live anywhere around. Because they are the law kills. And God said it very clearly, the law kills. But Jesus brings life. Grace and truth brings life. And that's what is happening. Be dead to sin, but be alive to God. If you are alive to God, the nature of God is permeating through. Yes, you are angry at sin. You are not angry at the people. You are angry at the sin. And when the sin and the sinner becomes one entity, then God will say, execute them. I'm not saying that. Shoot somebody down. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that it should obey it in its lust. Look at verse 13. Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourself to God first as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. What is it saying? Okay. Now you're talking about your hand, your legs, your eyes, your ears, your body parts in the same way. Okay. The gun in your hand. If your hand is righteous, hand has been surrendered to God as an instrument of righteousness. It doesn't matter what you hold in your hand. It may be a pen, a pencil, or a gun. It becomes an instrument of righteousness. The pen is more powerful than the exactly. sword, it can, but it becomes an instrument of righteousness. Mm-hmm. A gun can become an instrument of righteousness. And we have seen, um, to conceal and carry, they have lost in certain states, and when these attacks took place, there was one guy with a gun, and he saved so many from being killed. What did that gun become? It became an instrument of righteousness. Why? Because you were righteous. There was a wicked man trying to have a massacre over there and you had a gun and you risked your life and you used the gun that was in your hand to shoot down somebody else so that he didn't kill the rest of the people. So what happens over there? The gun became an instrument of righteousness. Mm -hmm. Now the other guy was also holding a gun. Now what has that gun become? Both guns could be from the same maker and serial number could be one after the other. Same factory line it came, Glock 2, this serial number, one is holding, the other fellow is holding Glock 2, serial number, both are holding, same day it was manufactured. But the problem is, one has become an instrument of righteousness, the other has become an instrument of evil. You know why? Because of the person.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: person. That is why we cannot legislate sin away. Mm-hmm. You cannot legislate sin away. There was no legislation. There were no guns. There was no knives, nothing. When Abel and Cain were walking, he must have mashed his brother's head with a rock. What are you going to do? Take every rock away? They tried it with in Britain, right? People are killing and this thing either with knives. So they have brought that. You cannot even carry a knife onto the streets. You will be arrested. Still they are killing. See, one way or other, you cannot legislate weapons away. All you can do is preach the gospel and make the sinner into a righteous man. That's all you can do. And that is what God is doing. The law works from outside. Grace works from inside. And we know Lord is only a restraining evil. And the Bible is very clear. The law is for the lawless. The law abiding doesn't need a law. Doesn't need a law. So when you use the law as instrument for your agenda to take away the guns from the law abiding, you're calling the law abiding also lawless. lawless yes. That's the problem. And that's the issue they are fighting there for in US. So what happens then suddenly you are, you are dependent upon the state for everything. Now imagine, uh, let us say a county in US, let us say has 15,000 people. And 50 or 100 police officers but the crime rate is surging. What are these police officers going to do? So you're going to get your house burgled, your children shot, your wife raped, you're going to allow all that to happen and every time you call 911 there is no people to respond because there are 500 officers and 1000 crimes is taking place at the same time. What do you do? Can the state guarantee my protection? If he can and that all the police officers will be righteous. And they will defend you. Can you give me the right? No. Then give me the right to protect my life. That is the second amendment. The right to bear arms. I have a right to protect my life, my home, my family, my children. And that's one side is fighting for. The other side has got a completely different agenda. And they just look at crime as a reason to take it away. When crime should be the reason why it should be given to the righteous. Do a check. Do a check, gun check, everything, and say, okay, this one should not be given, this one should not be given. Not look at the temper tantrum, look at the criminal record. If they have a criminal record, do not so. So basically, that's what is happening over here. We have to realize that we are who we are. We are. And God is saying, the righteous should not be punished. The old preamble of the law should be there. Even if a thousand wicked were to go unpunished, let not one innocent be punished. Even a thousand guilty. That's the law. But they, we have turned the law completely around in the world in U.S. Now you know what? You just want to go after the righteous, the good people, for the sake of the ones who are agitating and fighting and burning and looting. Protection seems to be for them, and there's no protection for those who are trying to defend their lives, their property, their businesses. The ones who were out on the streets for hundreds of days and burning all can—they were protected. <laughs> But the ones whose businesses were being burned and this thing, they had no protection. So what has happened to the law? and you don 't look at the color of the skin, you just have to look at it as a neutral matter of law and order. The same thing that happened in the Congress, Capitol Hill Six. everybody got so agitated. Why did you get so agitated? Because suddenly your lives were at stake, everybody is talking about the hallowed ground forget that junk. it has nothing to do with the building. It is got you got scared. But what happened all these days when others were being attacked? How did you didn't have that same zeal to protect? Why didn't you send the National Guard? Why did you send the National Guard to protect the capital? And you have created all these fence when you don't live there. And we refuse to call in the National Guard when people are asking, please, please, please send the National Guard, send the National Guard. And then President, President Trump kept on telling the mayors and the governors, you ask me, it will stop in one day. I will send the National Guard. They said no. You don't want the National Guard. Let them burn. Let them loot. It's a season of love. Now we have fenced in, and those poor National Guards are lying in the garages in the cold in Washington. You do not allow them to even sleep inside the Capitol building because the very God who is protecting you, you are afraid of them. Even yesterday I saw the pictures of those poor guys, soldiers sleeping in garages in the cold. Because you won't allow them to sleep in the you want them outside, you don't want them inside. This is this is what people have to see through. When wicked people rule, who that's what the Brahmin says, who hold the truth in in unrighteousness. unrighteousness. They hold. Because the truth, we have to protect lives. But you hold it in unrighteousness. Only your lives are valued. Your lives are valued. Other lives are not all under the law. Every life is valuable. Every life is valuable. And that's the whole question. And that's where it comes. So as believers... We have, we, we strike a balance. We strike a balance, absolute balance, you know. We are absolutely clear that if needed, and if I have to protect the lives of somebody else, we may not have guns in India, but we will use hands. If we don't have use, we will use sticks. If we don't have sticks, we will use stones. But we will protect one way or other. Hmm. We are not going to let our families be destroyed if a, if somebody is going. We have been attacked by mobs. And what did we do when mobs attacked? We just stood there because you know you cannot fight a mob. We just stood there, still there. And allowed them to go through their process and some of them got hit, including Pastor Vijay, but we knew it is very dangerous. Just be still. They will, because mobs don't know what they are doing. So if you are still, they will just go away and the mobs just went away. So we are looking at that picture. Okay. So here I wish, I guess I answered your question. You have to allow the Hmm. Holy Spirit to have control of those situations. You don't let the control go away from you. Yes, Pastor Vijay. I, I think
1: Pastor, question number four is a continuation of the same uh, um, thought. How do we constantly maintain a discipline in our lives? Yes, practice makes permanent, but why is it after a few days or months, it just goes out of the window? We start off really well, all pumped up, and, they, and then boom, it's gone away. Back to our old ways. After some time, it gets frustrating, frustrating, and we just want to throw in the towel. It's
0: simply because practice has not become permanent. Boom, <laughs> <laughs> okay, it has not. It's, it, it, it's, it's just like we said, no? Uh, what we say in, uh, in, in science, we, what we call it in medical terms is reflex action, right? We call it second nature, but it, like, Nobody has to tell the eyelid to close when something comes. Somebody puts it automatically. I don't think it is, a, we learn it, sensation doesn't even come from your brain. It comes before that, no? Mm-hmm. Meaning, when you practice the discipline of righteousness, that's when it says proven character. Mm-hmm. I like that, no? You do it over and over and over and over and over again. It is so simple. I mean, why, why didn't it take Daniel uh, six days of fasting and you know, a one day of fasting to decide whether to eat from the king's table or not. Because he had said the same thing no to at every situation in life, so it was not a difficult thing. It has become proven character. So very easy for him. We may look at oh how did he? But the fact of that just a normal for him. Mm. Just a normal, and that's what God is talking about. The whole situations they keep on coming, and each time we keep on saying no, 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 no. After that, it is. So don't give up. Only thing God is teaching you, you have to constantly practice it until the day comes. It is proven in you and it does not bother. And if you do fall, rise up like David and Get back onto that grind again so that it becomes, this is spiritual discipline and spiritual discipline. When it becomes very difficult, certain issues very difficult, God says you need to fast and pray and get it out of it so that you are strengthened. One of the ways of doing it is one, like we say, meditating on scripture. Let us talk about, let us, let us talk about alcohol. Let us say somebody who is drink, who is listening was an ex-alcoholic, struggles with temptation, yet, okay, what do you do? You go through the Bible. What does the Bible talk about it? And you will see the warning after warning after. You know, the, the Surgeon General's uh, warning and the Bible's warning are two different warnings. That is, some fellow with a skull, he put it statutory warning, meaning he's forced to give you that warning. But here is God speaking to you, and that is his word. Mm. The word of God is alive. Okay, So you meditate upon the word of God which gives you warnings or how to react to situations. It has its own life because mm. the word of God will never come back void. You meditate. That's what he's telling Joshua. Meditate upon my word day and night and don't do the, turn to the left. Or Or to the the right. right. To turn to the left or to the right to know what is right and what is left, first you know, you need to know what is straight. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If you don't know what is straight, how do you know what is left and right? You will think left is straight and right is straight. Neither the left nor the right is straight in America. There is something that is (laughs) called straight. It is a straight and a narrow path. Okay? Where do you find it? You find it in the word of God. Mm. And then when the temptation comes, you will know what is right and what is wrong. And it becomes easy to say no. But the more you say no, it becomes part of your habit. But though you lose it, it does not mean the wrong, the right has become wrong. The right is still right. You went wrong. So what do you do? Like you get out of, out of the lane, you got out to the wrong lane, what do you do? You get back at the next, this thing, traffic, you try to get back into your right lane. It's as simple as that. You cannot go on and try to run parallel track. It does not work like that way. You get back to that track. There is no parallel track to the narrow road path. One of the fundamentals. There is only one track; it's a single-lane highway. There is no parallel line to that. Okay, no, I am. I am I'm on the same line, just a little distance. No, you are not. You are going offline. That's the problem with this way of life. So, only thing you can do is that you repent and get back to that line. And God doesn't condemn you. God does not condemn you. He says you got an advocate who's for you. Repent and get back on the line, and you will realize you will overcome. It will overcome. But you have to make this determination, like, like I said, Daniel's three friends. Whether he saves or whether he does not save. One thing I have decided, I'm not going to bend to this idol. Whether I fail or whether I do not fail in a test. One thing I have decided, I will serve God. That's it. I will serve mm-hmm. God. That means if I fail, I will still get up and continue walking with God. And if I don't fail, I'm still serving God. Him. That is what Job is saying. One of his most resolute decisions. Even if he slay me, yet I will serve him. I will serve. And we have to make that
1: decision. We have to make that decision. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Pastor, one more thought question. I think on the same thought. It is question number two. Uh, dealing with sin, dealing decisively with sin, is it possible as a question? Possibly. Uh, learning to be content. These things are possible, the Bible tells us. But how come huge ministries fail and you never hear about it? Sometimes you do. How come with all the teaching and preaching and praying, they still fail? Nobody may know because it is, it is none of our business. We have enough to worry about. But how come they fail? How come they fall short? Many will give us the lame answer. Oh, they are human too and they are not God. I struggle with surrender to God daily. I truly do. Okay. Um, there is preaching, there is praying, and there is the third
0: P, which is called practicing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we don't look at big ministries. We look at an individual case. <clears throat> the greatest ministry ever established on planet Earth was Jesus with his 12 disciples. Mm-hmm. And one of them was a thief. Okay. You cannot have something better than that. You have the very God in flesh walking with you, living with you, teaching you by example. Powers, signs, wonders, unbelievable teaching. Everything is happening mm. and you are a thief. You are still stealing. Mm. So, if Judas can steal, Judas ministries are also there. Okay. So, we have to look at it that way. We have to look at it that way. Okay. Peter was with Jesus. Peter said all those things, and Peter betrayed him. Peter betrayed him. Okay. And Peter later in the book of Galatians also will see he's struggling with issues. Mm-hmm. So kind of Peter, can anybody question Peter? Definitely was one of the greatest apostles who overcame all of it and as church record says, died as a martyr for Christ mm-hmm. Jesus. Okay. So we have to look at that picture. So if you look at great men in the Bible. Dinda. I can understand Abraham's telling Sarah, you are not my wife and is going to Egypt. I still struggle with Abraham telling to Abimelech when the Lord has come and promised him you are going to i'm not even sure whether she was pregnant then. I believe she is because the reason is I believe God did something to them supernaturally that she is young again. She's looking young. She's pretty. And the king looks at. And how does a man at that age, after all this, and the Lord himself having visited you, eaten with you, interceded for Sodom and on, after all that, he still tells Sarah, you know what, you're my sister. hmm Can we question Abraham? If Abraham be questioned, what do we say? Then Abraham is not our (laughs) father of faith. Okay, Mm. so great men are there. So we under so the all idea is not whether an individual fails or an organization fails. That is not the question primarily. The question is, does he or her or or come back? Mm. That's the only thing that really, really matters. Meaning, anybody can fail, Mm. but Peter himself, the man who fell. Right? You fell. You go to Second Peter chapter one, Second Peter chapter one, and read from verse four on uh, five onwards. The primacy of faith. For this reason, giving all diligence add to your faith, virtue, to virtue knowledge one of the days we need to go back to teaching Mm -hmm. this to virtue knowledge and to knowledge self control. You see the order, and I was asking God, "Why did He put this order over there?" He said, "Son, listen. If I put after faith self-control, because everybody wants self-control, He says after faith, if I put self-control, you know what? You will be like a You would be thinking wicked in your heart, and you got such mm-hmm. self-control that nobody is able to see that your your what is in your heart, and then you would try to murder somebody." Mm-hmm. That's why I said to faith, add virtue. Mm-hmm. And then self-control, so that your virtue is controlled and not your wickedness is controlled. I said, wow, I didn't see it that Mm -hmm. way, because I would have put self-control higher up on the list. He said, no, first you need virtue. You need virtue, you need knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, means persevere in controlling the virtue and the knowledge of God in you, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly love, and brotherly kindness to that, the love of God. Lock it up all with love. In the fruit of the Spirit, you start with love and you lock it up all with self-control. Here, look at the order. If these things are yours, not only that, you keep on abounding, mm. not only will your ministry, your life be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Jesus Savior, Jesus Christ, but for he lacks these things, he's short-sighted, even to blindness, has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, Be even more diligent. Two times he uses that word to make your call and election sure. Sure. For if you do these things, what these things? These seven things that are added to faith. If you do this, constantly practice on doing it with the spirit of the Holy Spirit. God says you will never fall. Hmm. So who is telling you this? This is telling a man is through the Holy Spirit telling us who has learned it the hard way. I betrayed my master. I betrayed him also in the front of the believers after I was restored in the ministry and run the race for a long time in Galatia I again failed him and he has come to a point where he added it all and he says you know what I don't stumble anymore
1: and that is his experience basically That's his his experience. Experience. so it's just an experience it his head. Okay. Yeah. So
0: the question is we are not making excuses for stumbling yeah. the question is not how you begin mm. ultimately the question is how will you finish mm. it's the finishing that matters the finishing that matters. And that's what God is talking
1: about. So remember, this is a journey. This is a journey. And we are in that journey. Pastor, I think also the fact that uh, you're getting confused with so many people, they ostensibly fall. And there are so many people who fall in secret. You yeah. don't even know. We do don't know. know. A- everybody can everybody. Fall, no? yes. If People who
0: fall in secret, people who fall
1: in public. Mm. And we do not know.
0: Our problems, we are looking at Jesus. Mm. And then we are looking at Paul. Mm. But Paul also had issues. He had anger issues with Barnabas, his mentor. Mm. Okay, he fought so with, I mean, I believe he was so zealous in his early days, he would not give ground to any weakness in any man. He was like that, okay, but you cannot be like that when you are in leadership. Leadership, okay. So we have to see God took Paul also through a process. Where that same Paul in the end will say, send John Mark, he is useful to me. So what is he talking about? He also restored his relationship with, with Barnabas. He also restored, uh, John Mark to his fellowship and now he considered John Mark is also useful to me. So he also went through that process. The only person infallible is Jesus Christ. Yes, yes. There was no deceit found in him. He was tempted at all points and never did not sin but sometimes when you look at jesus too now we know he was not falling because he was absolutely in control of the holy spirit when he looks at peter straight up and says get behind me satan oh go tell the fox okay go tell the fox who is talking about he's talking about herod Okay, and who is Herod? He is the king. And the same Peter through the same Holy Spirit will say honor authorities who are rulers above you. And he calls the ruler a fox. How do you balance all these things? You balance all these things through the Holy Spirit. He is a ruler, but he is a fox. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the authority is cunning and crooked as a fox. I can see him through. Mm-hmm. I see him through. Mm-hmm. I see him through. So we have to look at all these pictures, and you know what? The the key of it is is, uh, what would you say? Like like we looked at John fifteen. Learn to abide in him. Hmm. Learn to abide him. Learn to abide in the Holy Spirit. He will speak to you, hmm. and when he says you are convicted, repent. When he says I don't condemn you, then you are fine. Certain situations, everybody be mad at you and may condemn you. The Holy Spirit is not condemning you. Mm. Yes. It's not condemning you. And you know what? Even the crowd is against you and the crowd thinks... See, the kingdom of God is not a democracy. It's a kingdom. In the kingdom... One person is always right. Hmm. Who is that? The king is always always right. right. Okay. You have this, you know, these uh, rules about, at the last one is that even when the boss is wrong, the boss is right. Okay. In our case, the king is always right Right. because he's the scepter of his kingdom, Hmm. his righteousness. Okay. See, I used to struggle with lots of systems. Then I realized, you know, these are all letter of the spirit, letter of the, this thing. Okay. Now think about it. Let us think about it. Joshua, second time. This is how you need to attack I. You take a set of people, you put them all away, hide them. Then you go to the frontal, and when they are come out to attack you, run, flee, deception. as if they are. And when they have taken far away, let the others come and burn the city. What do you call that? Deception. Deception. <laughs> and I said, Lord, is that not deception? <laughs> he said, it's not deception, it is called warfare. warfare yeah. that, is serpent, says, is mm-hmm. that is how armies fight. Why he says a serpent? Why is That's how armies fight. That is how armies mm-hmm. fight. That is called warfare. That is called warfare, okay? Mm. So, (laughs) okay. So, I, I, please don't misunderstand me. I am not saying though, try those kind of tricks in your personal lives and say it is warfare. (laughs) I am talking about, be very careful how you read the, the Bible, how you read the Word of God, no? Be rooted in the Word of God and be led by the Holy Spirit. And you know, you will not go under condemnation. You will not go under condemnation. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit won't condemn you. He will convict you. Mm-hmm. Because there's one question that is coming over there, which is connected with that. Yes, mm-hmm. Pastor.
1: Richard. Oh, uh, question number five, Pastor, we'll look at it. Um, oh, mm. uh, I was a hooker, no longer hooker, stopped all these boulevard stunts many years ago. But why do I have such low self-esteem and no hope? I struggle with this every day. Um, uh, Again, coming back, okay?
0: Coming back. (laughs) The key is always the Word of God and the Spirit of God. The key is the Word of God, okay? Uh, We have our past. And we have people who know our past or think they know our past. Mm -hmm. And they judge us according to our past, okay? According to our past. But the question is, we are who... God says who we are. God says who we are. Okay. God says who we are. Okay. Let me, let me put it across in modern political terms. Why are the Democrats in such a hurry to impeach Trump a second time when there is no office to be impeached? Right? When did they pass that bill of impeachment? Why did they sit over it for so long, if they were in a hurry? Why did they pass it in one day without no questioning, no trial, no witnesses, no argument, just passed it? As if it is the most important thing in America is facing. Then they sat on it till February. And then they started it all. What is the whole idea? The whole idea is not impeachment. Impeachment. The whole idea is if they can get enough votes to convict him and bar him from office in the future because they are terrified of scared, him. Scared, yes. They're scared of For once in their lifetime, there is one man every politician in America is scared of, both Republicans and Democrats. You getting the picture? Okay. So we need to be very, very careful about why we do things. We can put a very nice, righteous friend. Righteous friend. Okay, and say we are doing it for this thing. And that is why we also need to understand, you know, if they can convict him and bar him, then he will never hold the office again. Okay, in the same way. Before he left office, like all presidents do, he give you a presidential pardon. So once a presidential pardon is given, you will see a lot of people who had cases against them, courts drop the case because you cannot convict them anymore. The president has given a pardon. Therefore, you are no longer anything under the law other than innocent. Yes. So we have received a pardon greater than from a president. Amen. The president only pardons you. But what Jesus has done is he has not pardoned you. He has just taken your sin away. Mm-hmm. He's taken that sin away upon himself. He has put his righteousness, his righteousness on you. You have been declared righteous with the righteousness of God, not the righteousness declared by a judge. Not guilty. That's not what God is saying. He's not even saying not guilty. People don't understand the concept of salvation. He's taking his very righteousness and putting on you and looking at you and say, you know how righteous you are? How righteous am I, God? As righteous as me. It's mind-boggling. Until you receive that truth into your heart, the devil will always use your past to make you feel low esteem. And you have to declare, I have the righteousness of God. I have the very righteousness that is of God. And that is the righteousness we have received. And when God looks at you and me, you know why He's not upset with us? He does not see who my past. He sees his own righteousness in us. Okay? So this sister, whoever it is, you were a hooker, you did all these things. You got saved. You you repented. You stopped. You changed your life. God saved you. When He saved you, He saved you from your end. the past is not there. Mm. In the federal records of all President Trump has punished. If you look into the system, the system has erased it. It is not there. Only newspapers will talk about it, but the federal law legal system, it will not. It has been wiped out of the system. So if the same person, let us talk about a person called, okay, he's well-known, Paul Manafort, whose case was dropped last week or something, if I'm right, they dropped the case. If he were to go to another state and his driving license is given, they do a check on him, nothing will show. Imagine they don't know him. (laughs) They don't know him. He's as innocent as a baby, according to the system. They run a check on him, make a traffic light, okay, they stopped him. Okay, Just curiously, sir, sir, please give your license, do a check on him, nothing shows. You know why? It's been cleaned out of the system. So it doesn't matter what people say on earth. What matters ultimately is what God says. The, system, the devil tries to run a system in heaven. Nothing. And not only that, what shows us on the screen is that righteous like God, Okay. that's what the Bible says no weapon that is formed mm-hmm. against us will prosper every the lying tongue, tongue that rises against your judgment you shall condemn mm-hmm. for their righteousness is, is of God, God because yeah. they are the servants of God Amen. And that's how we have to look at it don't think about that we have been declared righteous without understanding with what righteousness we have been declared righteous mm-hmm. this is not the righteousness of the law not guilty that's not what God is not saying He's not saying not guilty. He's saying you, as if you never sinned Mm -hmm. ever. Ever. You are more innocent than a baby. Mm. The baby, the little babies were over here. We look at them. So how cute, how innocent. Why? They're innocent. Mm. But they were born in the nature of sin. When we are declared righteous... By God, that nature has been taken away by God. He does not look at that nature at all. He's looking at the other nature, the born again person who is more righteous than the righteousness of a baby. What is that? The baby still has the old nature. That is born in sin, shaped in iniquity, iniquity. while you have been given, born of God, by the very word of God, by the very spirit of God, with the righteousness of God. You look at that, you can walk free.
1: Hallelujah. Mm. You
0: can walk free. No condemnation. You lost esteem. And you have to keep saying this thing mm. because faith has to be confessed. confessed. If you believe in your heart and confess yes, with yeah. your mouth to this sister or anybody, you will have to keep saying, you know what? I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. What he said is true. I will not believe. And if the devil tries to talk about my past, simple thing, I will talk to him about his future. Mm-hmm. So leave me alone, I will leave you alone. You, every time you come to me talk about my past, I will say my past is under the blood, it is not there. And I will tell you about your future. Yeah, yeah, you can't do anything about it. You are going to the lake of fire. I know your future. There is no escaping fire for you. You can't even repent. <laughs> you can't plead mm-hmm. the blood. Mm-hmm. Nobody died for you. You are doomed forever. He will leave you alone. Remind him of his future and remind yourself every day what God has done and who you are in Christ Jesus. And you know what? You, your esteem is loyalty will go. You will actually, you don't have to feel better than anybody, Mm. but you feel good about yourself. This is what God is. And you will praise God. You will thank God, Lord. This is true. Eternally, this is what is true.
1: Yes, Pastor Vijay. Uh, question number six. It says, explain to me the sin of indecision. Your wife prayed, break the sin of procrastination. Where is that? This is oh, indecision. Okay, indecision. Okay, okay, uh. Your wife prayed, break the sin of procrastination. We break it, but I come back to it. Uh, it comes back and back and forth. I want to break it and never go back to it anymore.
0: Again, like we looked at all the other things, okay. Mm. These are virtues. Mm. These are virtues. Just imagine, uh, a person, okay. We were also in so many ways framed by our life, our upbringing. The trials, no, trials, our parents, mm. no, our parents. Let's say, um, you have a very strong-willed father and a mother, very strong-willed father and a mother. What happens as that? You will actually grow up being very indecisive because you are never allowed to grow, never allowed to make a decision for yourself. Mm. Very hard father and mothers bring very weak children of God in heaven is not hard mm. he's given us a free will to choose what do we do we just put boundaries within there and as they keep growing allow them to make choices so they are making decisions they learn to make decisions they will fail and we help them to walk through we are not condemning them but we are allowing them to make decisions so as they make decisions they are not indecisive they are decisive mm-hmm. we teach them what is right and what is wrong you Teach them how to make their own choices. Let them some, we may not like, I may not like my child's color of dress and may, I may think this doesn't suit you. But let him make a choice. Let him make his choice. Why? He's making choices. At least he's decisive. This is what I am going to wear. What happens is that if you don't, he has no will. Every time, should I wear this? Should I wear this? Is it okay? Is it okay? No. It's time you made your decisions. You're growing up. You make your own decisions. Okay. Only thing is that it should not create chaos in the family. Hmm. Okay. Chaos in the family. Okay. You can make your decisions as long as it goes along with the rest. It does not become hindrance for the others. And that's the thing. So being indecisive is something which, which was, which you became the way you were brought up. How do you turn? You need to turn around and start becoming decisive using the very free will which God has given. Start making decisions. First, one of the things is you need to grow in what is right and what is wrong. And be very decisive about what is right. Okay? We can be indecisive about a lot of things. It does not matter. Should I eat rice or chapati? I am not sure. Only your wife will worry. Please tell me so that I can make it. Okay, <laughs> Then you tell them, whatever you want, you make it. I am not sure. You make it. And you are not going to bother about it. Okay? But there are certain things in life you can never be indecisive about. Okay, And those are things you meditate upon and frame it in your mind. But remember that. The thing is that, why are people, why are, you see, uh, why does God come and tell uh, Joshua, be strong and be very courageous? He's wavering. Why? Because he walked under a strong leader leader. for 40 years. Mm. 40 years he walked under a strong leader. And did not. That's, you, you people do not realize. I give you absolute autonomy to do your stuff. Though you're very scared of me. I don't know what you're scared of. But I give, I don't interfere in any, the worship team, I don't interfere. Sound team, I don't interfere. This team, I don't interfere. I have given it to you. Learn to make your own decisions. But you have an issue, come to me. Don't be indecisive about it because how do you learn to be decisive when you are given autonomy to handle your own this thing? Okay? When your child grows up, what do you tell? This is your room and these are your things. You take care of it. Aww. You take care of it. This is your stuff. This is your stuff. You take care of it. <coughs> you take care of it. You know what? They start, that little room of theirs becomes their space and they start stewardship of their own things their own stuff. They may not like the. We may not like the color they have picked for the sheet and the pillow cover. They may not match, but that's their decision. Mm. They made a decision. Okay, we will tell them. Okay, so this is the a child. This is the way it goes. This thing doesn't match with that. Okay, they look. At, but I like it that way. That's good. <laughs> this is your room. You like it that way. But dirt is not allowed. Disorder is not allowed. That's where we come in. Dirt is not allowed. Disorder is allowed. Keep it clean. Keep it neat. Keep it in order. Those are the broad framework. Within this broad framework, have your autonomy to make your choices. And God also does the same thing. He says, I give you a broad picture. This is what is right. This is what is wrong. Like He's saying, okay? He, like (coughs) yesterday we were looking at, no? First he made a place, the Garden of Eden. Then he planted all these trees. He made provisions. Then he took the person and he put over there. And he said, of all the trees you can eat, from this tree you don't eat. What does it mean? He did not give them a list. Uh, Sunday you have to eat from that Mm -hmm. tree. Monday from this tree. Tuesday, you choose. No issues. God doesn't have issues. Lot of times, we human parents we become very fixated. No, Monday this, Tuesday this. God doesn't bother about those things. Mm-hmm. You know what happened? Children become very indecisive. Mm-hmm. So your upbringing can be also reason. But what you have to be, you just have to know what is right and wrong, mm-hmm. what is good and evil, and be decisive about both. Yes to good and no to evil. In both, you have to be decisive. And we cannot be indecisive in a time like this. Yes. You know, and you will see the indecisive Joshua becomes so Defensive. decisive that in the middle of the battle, he yes. has the gumption to moon say, moon sun stop. stop, moon stop. And scripture says, God listen, listen to, to a man. man. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. does it tell you? You know what does it tell you? Meaning? he was not being moved by the spirit. He said that on his own. Like Paul says, I do believe I have the Holy Spirit, what I am saying. And God said, you are right. Mm-hmm. You know What you said agrees with my spirit. Mm-hmm. You are on the same page. Mm-hmm. And when Joshua said, I agree with you. We both are on the same page. I like your idea. Mm. Can you believe it? God is allowing a man in his battle to have autonomy and make a decision where God has to agree to him. No. It's not he agreeing with God. God is agreeing with him. <laughs> From an indecisive man, he becomes so decisive, God stops the sun and the moon. Or basically, doesn't stop the sun and moon, the earth stops rotating. Okay? You are writing it from your understanding Mm -hmm. of those times. Okay? But if they were to write, the earth started rotating, nobody would even understand it. Okay? So... It stopped. Whatever it is, scientifically, whatever it is, what we know is that her God heard him. An indecisive man becomes the become most decisive man. And God uses him. So it's not what we are. It is what we are becoming. What we are becoming. Understand? It's not the question is, are you still as indecisive as you were last year? It's the question. No, I am more decisive now. Good. You're on the road. You're on the road. You're progressing. Okay, that's all. Look at progress. Is there progress? Am I changing? Okay, that's the only thing. Of course you can, for the right things, the good things, you can change faster. You can. You can change faster. You don't have to waste your time in this one thing, in the right direction towards righteousness, holiness, godliness, things of God. God is, like we say in English, the wind is at your back. Mm-hmm. The wind is in your sails. It's not, wind is not against you. The wind is for you. The spirit is for you. God is for you. So you can hasten. The only question is, how much effort do you want to put into that? It's a simple question. Mm. But certain things, it will take time. Because simply because certain things, it doesn't matter what you do. It will not come until you go through it. One thing like patience. Patience is with what? People. You want patience? Then you have to be around people. No, I am going to fast and pray for patience because it never happens. (laughs) It is not going to happen. I am going to put you in the midst of the most impatient people. Starting with babies, no patience. Then little more older, no patience. Then the oldest, no patience. Okay, When they grow... Without ever learning patience, then when they become old, they are neither patient, neither are they, they got not, they have, because they never used this time to become that. So now what happened? This is second childhood. And God puts you among them and says, be patient. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So that is not going to, that will take time. That will take time. That will take time. That cannot be manufactured with every fasting and every, you can try anything, it's not going to happen. It comes through that process. You have to go through the valley. Mm -hmm. There is no saint in God's kingdom who has not gone through the valley and become a saint. You have to go through the valley Mm of the shadow of death to become a saint. Because that is where you will experience the rod and the staff of God, the strength of God, Mm -hmm. the presence of God, that he is somebody who spreads the table for me in the presence of my enemies. He feeds me. In the presence of my enemy. That is when he realizes. He always thought his cup was full. But when he went through the valley. He realized earlier his cup was almost empty. Now it is filling up. Hmm. You don't know the strength of God. Until you go through your valley. Then you will realize the strength of God. Because when God is, everything is going good. God is good. I am so full. Actually you don't need God's strength. Okay. You are not really experiencing God's strength. You are just experiencing God's goodness. Psalm Psalm 1, to 4 is God's goodness. Four onwards it changes. It's not God's goodness alone. It's God's strength. Experience his strength. Experiencing a father's goodness and a father's strength is something else. You know what father's goodness is? Holding the child by hand and walking together. You know what his strength is? When the child falls, you lift him up and carry on his shoulders. Earlier he experienced the father's (coughs) goodness. Now he's experienced his father's goodness plus strength. Amen. That's what he's talking about. And it doesn't come easily. It comes through that process. It comes through that valley. So the valley is not bad. The valley is good. Hmm. You experience God in a very different way over there. Yes, Pastor Vijay? I think... You'll close? You'll close?
1: Yeah. All right, Pastor.
0: Are we done? Is there anything left? One
1: more question is there on the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? Yes, let us go through that because those are questions which people worry about. Okay, let's, you want to look at it? Okay. Yeah. Question number seven. Can you please explain what Jesus meant below when he said blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? Matthew chapter 12 verses 31 and 32 will not be forgiven. It's scary when I read this as it, as this comes across, like even if some, someone repents of the blasphemies. Still. Still. They won't be forgiven. Then that contradicts the core of the gospel. When unbelievers, including me, before before watching television, people falling off the ground in deliverance and healing meetings, do mock and make comments too. So, can you please put that?
0: Therefore I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the spirit will not be forgiven men. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven him either in this age or in the age to come, okay? Don't look at verses when it comes to verses like the, in isolation. Yes. You have to look at the entire context. Who is Jesus talking to? He's talking to the Pharisees. <coughs> the scribes, the law, the guys <coughs> who know the law. They have been following Jesus yes. like a hound follows a hare. Yes. Not to receive but to kill, they have seen everything. They have heard his message and he speaks with power and authority. And nobody could make, point out a mistake in what what is. They know, even Nicodemus, who is a learned scholar of scripture, a ruler of the synagogue, part of the Sanhedrin, acknowledge you are of God. They have seen his power. They they heard his doctrine, they heard his teaching, Mm. they have seen his miracles, they've seen him casting out demons, which has never happened before. They see him healing lame; they've seen it all, but they're hardening their heart to receiving his word.
1: Yes, Mm.
0: who are they hardening their heart against? They're hardening their heart against the Holy Spirit. And now, what are they saying? Is that you know what he's doing this all with the Power of Beelzebub. They say he's satanic. So one thing, what a thing, when they're saying, you have to realize when he, when they say it, they're putting the entire person into it. His teaching is satanic, his deliverance is satanic, his healing is satanic, everything is satanic. So basically what are they doing? They're hardening their heart from the conviction of the Holy Spirit. That is the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. It's not about what they are saying. You see, if the Holy Spirit doesn't touch you, there is no way anybody can get saved.
1: Amen. Yes.
0: If the Holy Spirit doesn't touch your heart, you cannot be saved. You can try reading the Bible, fasting, praying, but conviction is from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, that's why he is saying, you know, what is saying you will not be forgiven? What does it mean? If the Holy Spirit does not convict, touch or convict you, you are not going to repent. Hmm. If you don't repent, you are not going to be forgiven. That's what it is talking yeah. about. So if you are worried about it, don't worry. Because if the Holy Spirit has left you, you won't be worried about this at all. This is one of the things which I have been talking to people all this, Everybody comes with this. <laughs> I will blaspheme at the Holy Spirit. I said, if you have blaspheme at the Holy Spirit, you will mm-hmm. care two hoots about. It. Yeah, absolutely. You'll be so hard and you don't even realize it actually. It's not you don't care. Don't care you yeah. don't care. If you care, you haven't. Hmm. You not have it. Because only the Holy Spirit can make you feel conviction. If there is no conviction, there's no conviction. The Holy Spirit has left you. But if there is conviction, don't worry. <laughs> the Spirit is there. This is the context also that the right of Hebrews is actually talking about. If you willfully sin many. You are saying, I don't care about what the yeah. Holy Spirit says. I don't care. Okay? Then you are trampling the blood of Jesus Christ, meaning the blood loses its power. Why? Because you have no conviction at all. Mm. Basically where you are, you are thumping your nose at the Holy Spirit. What I'm saying. Okay? So that's what I always say. No, people who are struggling with the sin, don't feel condemned. Just go Man. back to God. As long as you're struggling, as long as you're fighting, as long as you're grieving over it, I'm not saying your sin is right, but you're still right with God. He still loves you. Mm. He still loves with you. He still loves you. Okay, fight it, fight it. It's the Holy Spirit is making you fight it. Keep fighting. You'll win. You'll come through. You'll come through. You know that's the difference between a sinner and a rebel. Okay, a sinner and a rebel. A sinner is a different thing. A rebel is a, all sinners are not rebels. All rebels are sinners. But when you become a rebel, you know, so don't be be a rebel. Be a I'm not saying be a sinner. Stay as a sinner. Don't stay, don't progress from I have to use my words carefully because we're talking about sin. Don't progress from sinner to rebel. That's what Saul became, from sinner to, to, rebel. to rebel. He became a rebel. And then there was no hope for it. God wouldn't listen to him, and all his remorse and crying are only according to this situation, nothing to do with what he has done. He's only moved by his situation, only by the cause. Oh, the Philistines are all over the Lord. Answer me, nothing. No remorse over anything that he has done. Only, and God says that is not conviction of my Holy Spirit. That anybody will react, and even a dog will react. If four dogs come, they'll go like that, just like that. He's got nothing. Hmm. We're not talking about that. That's what happened. Okay, what happened? Okay, So even Samson felt so bad. Hmm. He had remorse. Yes. God answered his cry. Yep. That God allowed him to go through that process. He didn't disqualify him or anything. He said, go through the lose your eyes, go there. Did you feel like? What happened to you? Do you feel the pain? Yes, more. Give me strength once more. Who allowed his... Uh, hair to grow back, God, who allowed the strength to come back, God, and he answered his prayer. He said, okay, die gloriously. Take more when you are dead than all you did when you are alive. Okay. So hmm. we have to look at that. Even Solomon, that's why we have this hope for Solomon yes. in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Finally, he comes back to the square one and says, fear God and do. That's some total conclusion of the matter. So you know what? He came back. I believe he came back. Okay. But, Saul, we see you no. Know, God refused to speak to him. Saul's is the saddest story because how well he began. He was humble. He was a very humble man. He was a very gracious man, everything. Then it got into his head also. Got into his head. Only one thing, I'm not blaming anyone. It's not my job to blame people who are dead and gone and sitting in heaven. I still don't understand why did Samuel not mentor him. You know one problem with Samuel? I mean, personal, my interpretation, I could be actually wrong. Samuel was a loner. Yeah. He was a lone wolf. He mentored nobody, neither Saul, nor David, Not nor his, his own sons. sons. <laughs> he didn't mentor anybody. Yet he was the greatest man in that age. He didn't mentor Saul. He could have mentored Saul. He could have mentored his own sons. Saul came because his sons he didn't mentor. And Then he got Saul. He should have learned from that. He didn't mentor Saul. And then he got God's hand-picked man. He didn't mentor him too. He didn't mentor anybody. Okay, So, like the first question, this is a big man, a great man. Mm. From that as a childhood, he heard the voice of the Lord. His words never fell to the ground. But if you want to find one flaw in him, he mentored nobody. He did not pass the baton on to the next generation. Like Joshua, mentored nobody. So great men have flaws.
1: Okay. So we shall pray and close. Pastor Vijay. Pray. Father, we just want to thank you. Father, Lord. We overwhelmed our Lord, Father, that you care so much for us, Lord. In every session, Lord, we just experience so much of your love and so much of hope that we still have hope. We could be so fallen in our nature, but Lord, you saved a wretch like us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Every session that, Lord, we go through, Father, we come out with increased hope that we still have hope in you, not because of our faithfulness. It is because of your faithfulness. We want to thank you for your faithfulness that you will not deny yourself. Thank you, Father. Keep us, O Lord, in your love. Keep us in your love, Lord, that we will not forsake this, O Lord, but we will guard it. We will truly treasure it. And Lord, that we will walk with you. And we will make a decision, like we heard this evening. Even though you slay me, we will still serve you. Pray Father that we will enjoy that blessing, O oh Lord Father. Thank you Father once again. We commit all of us into your hands. Be with us through this day, rest of the day, rest of the night. And all of our brethren all around the world, O oh Lord. Touch all of them, O oh Lord Father. Keep us in your love, O oh Lord Jesus. We thank you, we praise you. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.